Welcome back. This is Rob Cohen for Book Therapy, and today I have a special guest. Uh, my daughter Brooklyn is uh, is with me again, and uh, this time the reason why we're we're both here is because we're talking about the book called The Westing Game. The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, R A S K I N. Now I got to ask you, had you ever heard of this book before you had to read it? Yes, I did. I had heard of it because my my class last year had read it and the teacher told us that we might b- be reading it. So so while this book was sitting on my shelf, you knew that you might possibly read it. Yes. And you never said anything to me about it. No, I didn't. Great, cuz I never heard of this book before. Now, it's interesting. This book is it says on the cover it says Puffin Modern Classics. Now, I'll help you out. Puffin by the way is the name of the publisher of the book, but this idea that it's a modern classic. What do you think it means to be a modern classic? Well, it it has like a modern twist on it, but it's a it's like a story that might have already been told or it like it has a classical feeling to it. All right, so I'll, I'll help you out a little bit further. So it says Puffin Modern Classics. Puffin because it's the publisher. Mm-hmm. Modern because it's it's a book that is fairly recent as opposed to like a Charles Dickens or something that came out in the 17 or 1800s. So there's your Puffin and Modern. Now, what do you think it means a book is a classic? Um, it was taken people liked it very a lot it sold well and it um people read it a lot okay um i can honestly tell you that i don't know why books are sometimes called classics i can tell you that my understanding is that some classics are classics because they stand the test of time they're still readable today after many many years um sometimes they are um books that give you a snapshot of history or tell you what was going on in a specific time. But this book, to me, doesn't really do any of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why it it's called a classic. But anyways, um, I'll just tell you briefly how I came to have this book on my bookshelf prior to you coming home from school and saying you were reading it. Um, I read uh, uh, a few other books which uh, are, are considered to be what are called closed room mysteries. Closed room mysteries meaning that the, the villain, the bad guy, is somebody who is basically locked in this room that you have a finite universe of characters of, uh, of who the, the bad guy could be. And so I've read a few of those other books, one of them in particular by the author Agatha Christie called And Then There Were None. And I read an article that said if you liked And Then There Were None, you would like these other books as well, these other closed room mysteries. And one of them was The Westing Game, a book I'd never heard of before, a book that had never been on my radar. But I read it and it's, I read the, the synopsis of it and thought that it might be an interesting book to pick up, and so I bought it. And then it sat on my shelf probably for a few months until you came home one day and said you were going to read it. So let me ask you this question. Before we get into what the story of the book is about, why do you think your teacher had you read this book? Well, I think it's because my teacher liked keeping us on our toes about things. Like when we read um, Wonder, she always like had us thinking about what was really happening so I think for the she wanted us to read this book because um through each chapter your 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 point of view your how you think about it changes so so like like I could be thinking one thing in one chapter and then read the next chapter and be thinking a completely different thing when you when you say that you mean you could be viewing a character in one way and then the next chapter the character changes and you have to change the way you think about that character whether the character is a good character or a bad character has motivations which are positive or negative that type of a, a of a thought process exactly so why don't you tell us a little bit about what the book is about and then what this westing game is and then we can go forward from there well it's about 16 people who all live in this tower this apartment comp building and one of them owns one family owns a Chinese restaurant one owns a coffee shop and one's a doctor and all of these people come together for a reading of a will and they find out they're heirs to this multi-millionaire and they had no clue and they're really the Westing game is 
this multimillionaire, Samuel W. Westing, has created like a game to find out who the real heir is and who inherits his um, a lot of his money, most of his money, and um, who the person that technically killed him was. So, so let's go back for a second. All of these people were were hand chosen. Not only were they hand chosen to participate in this game, but they were hand chosen to live in this apartment building. Because the beginning of the book is all of these characters are enticed to come live at this apartment building. And all of these specific 16 people take up the invitation, so to speak, or the uh, astronomically phenomenal deal that they're getting to live there. And so the first chapter is all of them are, are enticed to live in this apartment building, which happens to be down the street or in, in stone's throw away from the Westing Mansion where this reclusive, you know, multimillionaire lives. And then chapter two, you find out that Mr. Westing is dead. And then whatever it is, chapter three, all of these 16 people who, 16 families that live at this apartment building are brought to the Westing house where the lawyer reads the will that says, one of you killed me. Whoever finds out who killed me, you're going to be my true heir, right? Something along those lines? Exactly. But one other thing, when the 16 heirs, the families, um, are getting the invitation to come and live at this Sunset Towers, this apartment building, they were not exactly, they were kind of like, you have to do it. The per, the person, the retailer, is that the word I want to use? Um, the person who was trying to sell them the apartment was um, telling them that it was the only room left, and you hear him and you read in a couple different paragraphs him saying, this is the only apartment left. This is the one just for you. And if you don't buy it, it will go to, it will be the last one that will ever be open. So he kind of tricks them into buying it and living there. So it's, what's, it's what's called a sales technique. If you, if you have a consumer who you really want to buy your product, you give them every reason to think that they're, this product is special, that this product is a one of a kind, that if they don't take advantage of this opportunity, some other lucky person will. All along, the expectation was that these 16 families would, would acquire these 16 apartment buildings. Exactly. That is exactly what it is. So this was set up from the beginning. I mean, you get the feeling that from from chapter one with the sale of these apartment uh, apartment units that Samuel Westing was setting these people up. He, he specifically wanted these 16 families to live in that apartment so that they could then be participants in this game. Yes. But one more thing, some of the heirs do not live in this apartment building. Some of the heirs live in different places or somehow have a connection. One of them is a 66-year-old delivery boy, and one of them is the doorman, and one of them is an owner of a soup kitchen. Right. That's true. You're right. Um, So... You had a different reading experience than I did. I read this like a traditional novel. I'll read until I don't have time to read anymore, and then I'll stop. And uh, it only took me like a, a few days to read it. You read it over the course of weeks, right? A month. About a month. It, t- it took you a month. So how, how does that help you with the reading experience? Do you feel that it was too much time to take to read the book? Do you think it was just the right amount of time? Tell me how you, you feel, because you've done a lot of reading where you'll put a book away in a day or two days. This is one where you were forced to take a longer period of time. How did that work out? Well, I feel like it took me a little too long to read it because every time I finished a chapter, um, the chapter I was supposed to read, I was like, why can't I go on and read more? I want to read more. I want to find out what happens. And if this were, if I were reading the way you were reading it, then I would be done in a day, two days, and I would have the whole story. But it long, it took longer to read, and I think because the teacher wanted us to think about, to like comprehend the chapter we read, and then maybe talk about it. So do you feel as if you digested this book better, that you processed it better, that you understood it better because you had a longer time to, 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 to read the book? Yes and no. Yes, because I felt like I could break it down in pieces and not like 
I could break it down better, but not because it felt to me as if something was going down and it just got stuck. Like I'm trying to digest the book and I get stuck in different places because I can't go on. So it kind of disrupted the flow of the book for you. Now, while you were reading the book over the course of a month, you were doing projects, you had homework assignments, things of that nature. What were, what were some of the, the homework assignments that you had to do while you were reading the book? Well, while, while, while we were reading the book, um, every time we finished the portion that we were going to read for the day, the teacher printed out a questionnaire, a question sheet, and we were to answer in complete sentences. And some of the questions were like, why do you think this person should be a, su- a suspect or should this person be a suspect, yes or no, why? Um, and then after we finished the book, we did something where you could, um, we were given like a menu sort of thing. You could pick what you wanted to do or you could do a free choice. And I chose to make a collage on one of the characters, a word collage, like to cut out words that I created, um, making out of paper, and then make a collage. And other people did different things. Somebody made a menu for a restaurant. Somebody made a poster. And that was like our end. But what, what, what was supposed to be on this? What was this menu collage for? What were you supposed to be describing? We were supposed to be describing like... One for what I did, I just tried to describe a character. Other people tried to think, what would this person do if they could create another blah? And we were really supposed to be thinking, we we're really supposed to be putting ourselves in the character's shoes to be thinking about what they would describe themselves as or what somebody would describe another person as or what somebody would create to make this poster. And do you feel that that helped you to understand the book better, enjoy it better? Uh, did it did it help out in any way with the process of reading the book? Well, when we did this, we had already finished the book. But for me, I got to think a little bit more about the character traits of this person, and I got to think, well, reading what I've reading finishing the book, what describes this character, and what do I think maybe doesn't describe her or maybe only describes her a little bit? And I got to think about what is this person really? This book is described as a, a children's book or a young adult book. In fact, there's a, um, uh, an indication on the back of the book I have that says that it's the winner of the Newbery Medal, which typically is, if I understand correctly, books that are for um, children or young adults. But this has a, a particularly adult storyline to it. Uh, I think it's in chapter two or three that um, the youngest character in the book, if I recall correctly, Turtle, mm-hmm. discovers a dead body. Did that disturb you in any way? Was that uncomfortable? Is that something that you you were able to process or was it something that was particularly uncomfortable for you? Well, knowing my history with reading scary things or watching scary things, it I would when I read it I'm like, "Oh, I'm this I'm not going to be able to process this well." But it startled me and it was I it got me thinking, "Why is this in this book?" But I got over it before um what but when I finished it, and I f- and I realized that without that portion, the story would they they would have no basis. But I uh, understand that, that of course that there is no Westing game without a dead body. But do you feel that it's age appropriate? Do you feel that it's something that a ten-year-old, a fifth grader, is okay reading about a dead body and 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 not only a dead body but the search for somebody's killer? I don't think that's age appropriate, and I saw some of my other classmates reacted the same as I did. They were startled. They're like, "Why is this in this book?" Um, and I felt that maybe you, they could have delivered it a little differently instead of just saying she found the dead body and ran. Maybe they could have delivered it differently so that the reader would have um, uh, intercepted it better than better than um, it is or delivered or received, received it received it better than it is delivered. But do you feel that on the whole now, after having read it from beginning to end, do you feel now that it's age appropriate? It's okay for a 10 year old to read? Yes, because, um, you, the, the, even the 10 year old can, 
can um, figure out that that builds on something bigger and it it's not actually that bad when you think about it but if you're seven or eight it might be a little worse it might be a little um, harder to read it might be a little scarier so I have a far more extensive history of reading than you do um, I, I'm you know 30 plus years ahead of you as well as the fact that I tend to read for the most part mysteries so aside from the issue of dead bodies and things of that nature, those are things that don't particularly bother me. However, the idea of a closed room mystery is something that is intriguing to me because I've read too many books where the mystery unfolds and when you finally learn who the bad guy is, you find out that it's somebody that you had not interacted with before. It was a character you'd not seen, a character whose name had not come up before and that there's no real connection to the actual storyline that you've been reading other than that this person is the killer. And authors like Agatha Christie and Patricia Cornwell, they are well known for creating these mysteries that end up with some unknown second-rate character being the bad guy. And my experience in those types of books are that it's unfulfilling. To me, it's not so much about who the bad guy is as much as it's how the bad guy fits in with the rest of the story and if the author is care is capable of keeping that may that character um in front of me all the while i have no idea that that's who the bad guy is the idea of the closed room mystery is all of the bad guys or the bad guy is in front of you the whole time and so i'm always interested to see what level of creativity exists for the author to take the bad guy who is right in front of you and create the mystery with that bad guy being the culprit all the while you're that's kept away from you how did you feel that the outcome of this book resonated was it something that you were satisfied with did you feel that it was a letdown first of all i don't know what the word resonated mean did it, um, is it something that you you were receptive to? Did you have a positive experience after reviewing it? Did you, you determine, did you find out when you found out who the bad guy was, was it something that was satisfying to you? Yes and no. Yes, because I, um, it satisfied me because, um, it, because that was one of my suspicions. I had that this person that was the bad guy was the bad guy, um, I, I, I was suspicious, and I was like, um, should I trust this character, should I not? So it was satisfying that I knew um, that it was satisfying because I knew that I, at one point, had figured it out, just I didn't know it yet. When you say that you had figured it out, but you just didn't know it yet, what does that mean? Meaning I had suspected him, I had thought, well... He, there's a possibility this person could be the bad guy, the killer. But, and when I say I figured it out, but I didn't know it yet, I did not, I, I, couldn't, I had not confirmed my suspicions yet. So you felt that you knew the who, but you didn't know the why or the how? Exactly. Let me ask you this question, because this was something that I struggled with even after the book was over. So Mr. Westing is murdered, and... All of these 16 people are brought to participate in this game with the outcome being that whoever it is who solves the, the riddle and wins the game ends up as the, the beneficiary of the estate, wins all the money. So let me ask you this question. Why? Why did Mr. Westing do this? What was his motivation? I believe his motivation was that he could actually figure out who really cared enough to go through this, who really cared enough about finding out who it really was and not just care about the money. Well, when you say who really cared, who really cared what? About the money? They all really cared about the money. Who really cared about who was the killer? When you look at some of the characters, Grace Windsor Wexler just cared about the money. All she wanted was the money. But when you look at Turtle Wexler, Turtle wanted to um, delve deeper than just getting the money. She wanted actually to um, 
find the she wanted to dig deep enough to figure out the mystery no. I, I understand that but she wanted to dig deep enough to, to solve the mystery so she could win the money yes I think so the, the the problem that I had with this is I couldn't easily identify what the purpose of the game was. In previous books that I've read that are similar to this, there are different motivations for bringing all of these people together. One of the motivations that I've, I read in a different book is that there were all these people brought to this house and all of these people were connected to the the victim. All of them were connected in some way. And all of them had had um, had harmed the victim in some way. They had had a bad relationship. They had a bad business dealing. They had had some, some interaction with the victim that there, it was perfectly obvious that they were a suspect, that they had a motivation for wanting to do harm to the victim. In this book, none of the characters really had any motivation for wanting to do harm to Mr. Weston. Westing, did they? None of them had any motivation. So not only did, did they not have any motivation to, to do Mr. Westing harm, but Mr. Westing had no motivation to want to uh, reward one of them. Yes, that is exactly true. So what's the point of the book? The point of the book? I don't even know. Well, I, did, did, did you discuss this in school? Did the question ever come up? Hey, why are we reading this? I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what the motivation of the characters are. I understand the motivations of the 16 characters. They each had different motivations. You had Turtle who wanted to be known as, as uh, 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 somebody who had value separate and apart from her sister, who was obviously the, the beautiful one who was getting married in the center of everybody's attentions and affections. And, of course, you have the sister who wanted to kind of be out of the limelight but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with playing the game or mr westing or winning his money yeah Th this question never came up in class because the i think the the kids were too keen on um figuring it out rather than thinking about what what was the real motivation behind what 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 motivation did these people have so it was more about putting the puzzle together than worrying about what the picture looked like when the puzzle was complete. Yes. Uh, I, and so that's where I struggle. One of the things that I've always wondered is how teachers select books to read. When I was in school, we read books that I thought were ridiculous. I couldn't understand why we were reading them. Some of them I've reread since I've gotten older, and I think I appreciate better. But I'm always interested in why certain books are chosen by teachers. You've read other books in class this year. You read Wonder, you read The One and Only Ivan, you've read books which seem to have some some social lesson to it, whether it's tolerance for people who have disabilities or tolerance for people who are different, things of that nature, right? Or tolerance for animals because in The One and Only Ivan, this Ivan is kept up in a small, very, very small domain in a mall. Where, he, where people look at him and make fun of him, and all he wants to do is save this tiny little elephant who's probably going to spend her life there. All he wants to do is get her out, and he cares enough that in the end of the book, the outcome of uh, the, what, what he does is very satisfying. But, and, and for Wonder, the same thing. The outcome of what happens to Augie is is satisfying and in rules the outcome of what happens to david an autistic kid and catherine um his older sister who wants who wants to be not known as david's older sister not known as the autistic kid's older sister she wants to be known as something and she wants to be known as something different than having anything to do with her brother and these all have a sig and these three books have a significance with tolerance to what this is but the western game really doesn't have that tolerance that lesson so this book though has seemingly been lauded as a very good kids book and it's won awards 
compared with the other three books that you described that seemed to push you to get out of your comfort zone, to, to deal with situations which are unfamiliar, people with disabilities, to focus on the fact that people may be different, but that doesn't mean that they're actually different, that, mm -hmm. that there are similarities in all of us. This does none of that. This book seems to be more of a distraction, a, a, a fun, um, you know, exercise in paying attention to characters and you attempting to solve a mystery alongside the characters at the same time. But there was no emotional connection. There was no, uh, there was no challenge to you to go out of your comfort zone and think about how your actions affect other people. There was not that extra push to go out of the comfort zone, as you said. Did, did your teacher teach this book differently than she taught Wonder and the one and only Ivan? Yes, because when she taught Wonder, the one and only Ivan, and Rules, she um, had us think, what would we do if we were best friends with this person or if we knew this person personally? But when we read the Westing game, all we did is answered comprehension. We didn't really think about what would happen if we knew these people. Like, if they, if they, if we walked into them and we became instant friends, what would we do? She didn't have us thinking that. So is it possible that since you read this book towards the end of the semester that this was just a uh, that 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 the teacher well not necessarily a time consumer as much as the teacher understood that this wasn't a book that was going to be emotionally challenging it was just going to be a nice distraction Yes um for the distraction, there were other books she could have chosen though that might have gone along um this um line of the three books we did read she, she, the teacher had us pick up tuck everlasting and bud not buddy knowing tuck everlasting reading the synopsis on the back co cover it's something about living longer what to do if you had the power to do these things and bud not buddy is about this boy who doesn't know his father but is determined to go find him and those books could have we could have benefited from reading them, but they also could have been the closing to this line of books we read, the nice ending to a story, the nice ending to this line of books we read. But the Westing game kind of made a dead end, not a rounded street. I understand that, but in, in defense of your teacher, there's only so many hard books that she can put on you during a year if every book you read is an emotionally challenging energy draining um sad type of a book eventually you're going to get tired of reading those types of books this was completely different from that right yes it was completely different than the emotional book it was a little bit like I, I'm having a crying fest. I'm very sad. I, I have just, um, I've just read a book. I've just um, had a very sad thing happen to me, but then there was a happy ending, and then somebody throws, um, like, a puzzle in front of me, and I'm think, and I'm, and I'm thinking, why now? Why, when we have just done this, why do you throw a puzzle in front of me and and expect me to do it in very little time? Well, if your only experience with eating is cheeseburgers and you're given three days in a row, cheeseburger, 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 on the third day, on the fourth day, they can give you a cheeseburger again or they can give you a candy cane, right? Something else. Doesn't mean that it's any less good or bad. It just means it's something different. It's a way to give you the idea that Life isn't only cheeseburgers. There's a whole lot of other options out there, and this is just something different. Books don't have to have what I call redeeming qualities. They don't have to make you think. They don't have to make you feel anything. They don't have to learn anything. They can simply be entertainment, or they can simply be 
um, mental exercises. And this was much more of a mental exercise, whereas the other books you read seemed to be more of an emotional exercise. And, and a, um, a, not only emotional, but a, 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 an exercise that, that had you reconsider yourself and reconsider the way that you act and the way that you interact with other people. This book, The Western Game, isn't going to make you wonder how you interact with other people. It's not going to teach you anything about the way that you act towards people is going to change the way they feel about themselves, correct? Correct. So this is just maybe, maybe your teacher selected this book as a way to simply show you that there was, there were other types of books out there. Not all books are doom and gloom and, and sadness. There's other books that are games that are more fun, that are intriguing for the sake of solving a mystery as opposed to determining if you have a personal connection. Yes, but when you said that, when you said that about reading the other books, for me, it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was kind of fun to see how the other characters in Wonder interacted with Augie, who had a deformed face, but he was very, very smart. And he, in the end, you find out he w wins an award, and he people finally start to accept him, but it's kind of fun to see how people he doesn't know, he that don't go to a school, that are older than him, that are younger than him, that are even the same age as him, how when they see him, how they act, and then how Augie's friends come to the rescue. In a certain part of Wonder, they're at like a retreat, and some seventh graders are mean to him, and Augie's friends come up. There's nothing about that. There's nothing. There's. I I particularly liked that part, but this book wasn't one. Um, Westing game wasn't that. Didn't have that level of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, didn't have that level of. Um. You didn't really have to feel you didn't really have to feel as much and you didn't have enough time to feel you didn't have to feel sorry for a character you didn't have to feel as if oh I have to read on because if I don't read on then I'll be stuck at this point with these this doom and gloom part forever this book Westing game really didn't have that um, component is that a bad thing yes because I well, for me, because I particularly liked reading those doom and gloom, that where the, whereas they might be doom and gloom for one person, but for me, they're fun. Westing Game didn't have that component, and it kind of made me a little sad because I was looking forward to reading more of that. Okay, but then take, for example, uh, another classmate of yours who didn't connect with the three previous books you discussed, and was looking for something that was less like that and more like the Weston game. Maybe there's a classmate who liked this book more than the others because it's just the type of book that he or she gravitated towards. So for example, these, the Weston games, are the books that are more close with what I would read than the other books you discussed. I'm not really big on huge emotional tugs and, and doom and gloom and sad stuff. I don't really like to be reading those types of books. I will and I have in the past, but they're not my preference. So whereas those books would be your preference, the Westing game could have been for somebody else. And somebody who's been reading these other books over the year and says, wow, every book we read is sad and it's about people who have disabilities or people who are different and I'm being beaten over the head with this concept that I have to be tolerant to other people. I just want something that's going to be fun and light and all I'm being given are these other books. The Westing game may be a nice, a nice deviation, a nice, a nice alternative to those other books. Do you agree? Yes, I kind of agree for some people that it is the alternative, but for some people it might be like, um, this is something I don't like to read and the others are what I do want to read. Some people, it's they like read both. Some want to read one, some want to read the other. Some it's an alternative, some it's, some it's like um, not the alternative. It's the something that I will only read if I have to read it. The only way you learn that is what? Reading them. You won't know if you like it until you try it. Exactly. It's um, 
a little bit like Don't Judge a Book by its cover because I could sit down and I could look at the Westing game and I could read the synopsis on the back and I could be like, well, I don't want to read this. And then maybe I could open up the first page and maybe read the first chapter and my point of view has changed. Maybe at the beginning I did not want to read it and now I do. So does that mean that at dinner tonight you'll try broccoli? No. Well, you haven't tried it yet, so... It's the same thing with the book. Don't don't judge the broccoli by its color. No. So, now let me ask you this question. Did you like this book? Yes, I did. I was satisfied with the end because some of the p- characters got what they wanted. Grace Windsor Wexler, Angela Wexler and Turtle Wexler's mom, she got what she wanted. She got the fame. She um, turned out she owned a restaurant. She owned a huge chain of restaurants. And... Um, Turtle got what she wanted because she'd solved the mystery. Angela got what she wanted because she'd become a doctor and she'd gone out of her mother's shadow in a way. Um, Her mother wanted her to be the best she could be and she turned into a bad girl because she bombed. Um, And and when you say bombed, that act... That's actually what she did. She set off bombs during the course of the book. Yes. She actually sabotaged her own party, her own engagement, her own wedding party, her bridal shower. She sabotaged her own shower with a bomb. James Hu, Shin Hu, the owner of Shin Hu's restaurant, got what he wanted. He became an inventor and sold shoe insoles. Um... And they they um, sold very well. And um, Chris Theodorakis, um, a, a little boy, he had um, he couldn't speak very well, and he was in a wheelchair. He got to be an ornithologist, um, a um, bird watcher. And um, but let's let's talk about the mystery itself. Were you satisfied with the mystery? Were you satisfied with the outcome of the mystery? Yes, I was satisfied because I particularly liked the character who solved mystery turtle and i was satisfied because i knew that um all the characters had played their part and i was satisfied with the book because it the ending was kind of like um i'm gonna ride a ride over and over again and then i decide to go on a different ride that i haven't been on and it's like something i love to ride it's like a brand new way of seeing things the ending to this book is a brand new way to look at the beginning i was about halfway through with the book when you and i talked and i told you i thought that i had figured it out do you remember what i said you said that the person had killed himself you said that sam westing you said that sam westing killed himself and how far off was i not very far, because it turns out Sam Westing was one of his own heirs. Well, it, not 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 that aspect of it. Let, let's talk about it. Instead of Sam Westing didn't really kill himself, what did happen? He, um, he didn't kill himself. He faked his own death. And that, unfortunately, is the experience I had with other books that are in the same vein, these closed room mysteries that the authors paint themselves into a corner, that there's no real way to give a satisfying outcome without there being something taking place in the background that the author doesn't tell you. For example, a lot was made during the story about whether the body that Turtle found and was, was ultimately examined by the doctor whether that was actually a body at all, whether it was a mannequin or, or a wax sculpture. And unfortunately, because neither you nor I were present there at the time to see the body and determine for our, ourselves whether it was a real body or not, we had to take it on faith that these people who told us it was a dead body were actually capable of determining it was a dead body. And so you read the whole entire book having to believe that these people know what they're talking about when they say it was a dead body, only to discover at the end that, ha, in fact, it wasn't a real dead body. You understand that this is a trick that the author plays on the reader in order to get the reader to buy into the story. Because if the reader said earlier on, it looked like a wax, but it, the, the doctor said it's not really a dead body, there's no rest of the story. And even though the character says he kind of looked waxy, Do you have any experience with dead bodies? 
No. So if a character says, well, the body looks waxy, you have no reason to think whether that's, that's an accurate depiction of a dead body or not. And so the author has to play this trick on you, otherwise there's no mystery. But the author has created a mystery that is, it's, that, that is unsolvable. You realize this mystery was unsolvable, right? Yeah, I realized that about the second to last chapter when, actually it must have been the last chapter, when um, Turtle is talking to the Samuel W. Westing in one of his different forms because you find out he was in four different forms. He was four different people all at once. He was Samuel W. Westing. And in the past, he was Windy Windcloppel, which was his given name. He changed it because he said Why? nobody would want to buy Windcloppel paper products. Why not I change my name to Westing so I could buy Westing paper products? He was also Sandy McSuthers, the doorman. He was the, the um, person who was trying to sell the houses, Barney Northrup. He was also the chairman of the Westing board, Julian R. Eastman. And as you find out later in the book, Westing, so South Southers, Northrup, Eastman. And it says in the will, my ashes will be scattered to the four winds, north, south, east, and west. And um, you also find out that he also cared for the characters. Whoa, 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 wait. Why? What characters did he care for? Turtle. He cared about Turtle because, and he also cared about, he cared about most of the characters. But these were people who he'd never met before. They were they were people that he brought there for the sole purpose of participating in this game. And now we go back to the initial question I asked you. Why? What was the point of the game? I, I understand if he was really dead, this was a way to ensure that all of his money went to the right person. But he wasn't dead. The money didn't really go anywhere. It did, but he was still alive. Mm -hmm. So what was the point of the game? I think the point of the game was to find out who everybody really was. So it wasn't so much about the mystery. It was learning how all of the characters were interconnected. Yes. How they all, how they all fit together. Okay. And that, by the way, was interesting to hear how all of the characters were, in some respect, not only connected to Mr. Westing, but, I mean, they weren't really connected to each other. They were connected. They all had different connections to Mr. Westing, right? Yes. That is exactly true. So it's more of a mystery, not of who killed Mr. Westing, but how all of the characters related directly to him. Yes, it's kind of like when you think about a puzzle, it's you're not thinking about how to solve the puzzle. It's you're thinking about how does this piece fit together with this piece? Does it fit this way or does it fit this way? Okay, and in that respect, I think I agree with you. Did you like the book? Yes, as I said before, it was satisfying to read the ending, um, and but I also had a feeling, oh, I'm satisfied it's over when I finished the book. I had that same feeling. I, I did not like this book. Um, I didn't like it because I've read so many books like it where I feel as if the author's playing a game with us. Unfortunately, we don't know anything about these characters other than what the author tells us. And so if the author wants to deliberately mislead us, then the author has that ability to do so. Um, I think that this book might have been more interesting if it were told in first person, but I don't know which character you choose to be first person. I think if I were going to write it in first person, um, I think I would deliver it, I would write it in the, the youngest character. I think I would write it in Turtle's perspective. But then if you wrote it in Turtle's perspective, you wouldn't be able to, um, you wouldn't be able to look at the other characters when Turtle is not there because then that would mean that Turtle's there. Turtle knows what's happening. Because if I tried to say that Angela put the bomb over there, Turtle would have to know that. And for Turtle to know that would put a whole new twist on the story and make it, it would make it, um, the story would end. 
Well, it, it wouldn't end. It would, it would make the character of Turtle different. Character uh, Turtle at that point would become like a detective or an investigator and would have to be the most active character in the book. Whereas the way it's done now in the third person, there is no main active character. All of the characters are equally as active. But let me suggest this. What if this book had been told from the perspective of Mr. Westing? If it had been told from the perspective of Mr. Westing, there really would be no mystery because you would know Mr. Westing was still alive. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. You can have stories that the character is dead but still narrating the book. You can still have those. Or you can say, I did this, I did that, I did this. Maybe it's a book that, maybe it's a... um. It's told in the form of a diary. It's Mr. Westing's diary as he's reciting all of the steps that led up to his death. How about that? That's a different way to tell the story. That is a different way to tell the story. But if it had been told that way, I think it would have been a little creepier because if you were thinking that Westing was dead and he's coming back and he's telling you this story, it might have been, people might have taken it harder than it really was. Okay, that's fair. I'm just coming up with different alternatives because I've read, like I said, a number of these books that all of them have been unsatisfying. To me, there is no satisfying way to resolve a closed room mystery because the only way to have the book end and the villain to be, re- to be uh, revealed is for the author to withhold vital information from the reader that the reader cannot then figure out the answer. And this piece of information that was withheld from you was the fact that Mr. Westing not only was not dead, but he was actually one of the 16 people participating in the game. And to me, that's an unfair trick that the author plays that thus takes the reader out of the story and cannot solve the mystery on his or her own. That is um, what I was thinking when I finished this book. I was thinking... I would, if I hadn't figured this out, I would never have known. It would never have crossed my mind that Westing was one of his own heirs. I would never have had that, oh, Westing's one of his own heirs. Because we were not given enough information to make that prediction on our own. Aside from the fact that it doesn't make sense. Why would he be one of his own heirs? Why would he be playing in his own game? I can't answer that question because it's an it's an unanswered question about the book it's something that we we just have to ponder ourselves and will never truly be answered and ultimately it didn't really matter whether he was playing in his own game or not it didn't really matter this wasn't a situation where let let for the sake let's let's discuss this the book charlie and the chocolate factory what's the story of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie is a poor boy, and he won five golden. T- he's a poor boy, and Willy Wonka is a very, very well-known chocolate maker. And his gates have been shut because he's afraid of people stealing his ideas and his way of making things. So, so let, let's skip a little bit ahead. So he has these golden tickets sent out, and he gets five children to come to an to. Uh, to, to one of once-in-a-lifetime experience of going through the chocolate factory, right? Mm-hmm. What's the ultimate end of the story? Why did, why did Willy Wonka do this? What was he trying to find? He was trying to find somebody um, to own his factory, to continue making the chocolate, to give a home, to care for the Oompa Loompas when he got too old to run the factory on his own. So he did this as a way to try and find a worthy successor somebody who was val- who would value what was being given and would treat the chocolate factory with the same level of care and concern that he did right he wanted to pick the person to take over for him yes and another thing he was looking for is who is a person who will spend who who um who would be willing enough to pay for this candy to have this opportunity well, it, it's not pay for it. It's not a financial thing. It's somebody who who respected the factory and respected Willy Wonka to continue his work, right? Yes, but my question about the book is: What if in this five in this crop of five little people, this little children, what if he had not found his successor? What ter- what twist 
would the story take? What do you think would have happened? I think he would have closed it for a couple more months and then shot out the tickets again and tried again. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. If he didn't find a worthy successor, it wouldn't have been one of those five, and he would have tried it again or figured out a different way. But you understand that... Do you, do you understand why I bring up that example when talking about the Westing game? Willy Wonka had a reason for the golden tickets. He wanted to find a child... Oh, not as a child. He wanted to find a worthy successor, somebody who deserved the factory and respected everything that he'd accomplished, correct? Correct. That is correct. Okay, so now, taking that information, why did I ask you that question as it relates to the Westing game? You asked me that question to so that I could think, well, why did Westing do it? Why did Westing do what he did, and why did he... Um, pose as his own heir if he could just have the money himself what what is the meaning behind what he did westing was the richest man in town he created this town he had this multi-million dollar industry this paper factory right Westing paper products so if he was looking for somebody to take over his business for him or he had no children of his own or his only daughter had died right wasn't that one of this okay we're led to believe his only daughter drowned herself, but we don't know. It could have been what I believe is his only daughter drowned and had become um, Grace Windsor Wexler's mother. Okay, so whatever it was, he felt as if he didn't have somebody who, would, who was worthy of taking over for him, either taking over the business or, or benefiting from all his money. And so... I could understand crafting the Westing game as a way for him to find an appropriate person to give everything to, correct? Correct. Sort of like Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. But that's not what this was. It was not. If you think about the way you, you said it, you put Willy Wonka and Westing together, their stories are a little bit the same. They're looking for a successor to finish the business, but this is not what Westing did. I agree, which again goes back to the very first question. What was Westing's motivation? And the answer is... Yeah, I don't know. You, that, that question cannot be answered. Right. And, and that, I think, was a fundamental problem I had with the book. Fundamental problem. I could not figure out what the motivation of Mr. Westing was. If this was just he was a nasty person, he was trying to manipulate people and get them to play a game just so he could, he could you know take some glee out of their running around and not finding out answers, then that to me is actually a nasty thing to do, don't you think? Yes. But he's not really a nasty person because he develops this really nice, sweet relationship with Turtle when the game's over, right? Yes. He, um, Turtle comes over every Saturday and Turtle learns how to play chess from him. And Turtle, they talk, and when he's dying, when he's on his deathbed, Turtle's there. Turtle's with him. Turtle holds his hand. Turtle talks to him, and he's like, even if you die, and she's like, even if you die before my eyes, I still wouldn't believe it. She loves him, not only in a way because she won the game, but because she feels she has a connection with him somehow, and... When Turtle, when, when um, Westing is asking Turtle about the other characters, he f- finally comes to, how is your husband? How are you feeling? He cares enough to actually ask about her, and her last, so that's the last thing he thinks about, is how Turtle's doing. Do you think that Westing crafted this game solely so that Turtle would win? No, because I don't think he... Um, cared about Turtle at the beginning. I think only Sandy McSuthers cared about Turtle. I don't think Weston cared about Turtle. But if you think about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and you think about the five characters who won golden tickets, is there anybody who should have won except for Charlie? No, because all the other people were... They wouldn't have cared. Veruca Salt just wanted money. Um, Violet just wanted to chew her gum and become a gum-chewing person. Um, Um... yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that you're you're led in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You are led to, to believe 
believe that Charlie is all good and the rest are all bad. In the Westing game, you're not led to believe that any of them are all good or any of them are all bad. As far as I was concerned, they were all bad because the only reason they were playing this game was what? For money. For money. And the only reason that they were playing this game is because Mr. Westing told them to play the game. But he himself didn't seem to have any real motive for the playing of the game. Um, one thing um, that I noticed is that when I read the book, um, Westing's partner in the game, Sandy, Mc Sandy McSouthers was who he posed as in the game. His partner... Was it the judge? Ju judge J.J. Ford did not want to play the game. She had excused herself out of anything to do with Westing, any trials, any cases, and she did not want to play this game. But somehow, Sandy McSouthers, or Westing, posing as Sandy McSouthers, somehow convinced the judge to play the game. And the judge says, okay, I'll play it, and I'll play it the way Sam Westing would have wanted us to play it. Mean. And Sandy McSouthers is like, well... Probably was thinking, well, I know exactly how um, Sam Westing wanted me to play it because I am him, and that's how he knows how to play the game correctly. Yeah, I understand that. I just, I, I the, I, hmm. I just didn't like the book. I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's disappointing to you, but I'm allowed my opinion. Um, I didn't like the book. It's not disappointing to me because I, I know that everybody has their own opinion. Well, my friends, when I read. My friends and I, when I read One and Only Ivan, I thought the book was wonderful. And I had another friend who told me that he didn't like the book that much. And I, I was a little disappointed because I was thinking, how could you not like this book? It's very good. And I came to realize everybody has their own opinion. And well, in my class, working with other people, we were looking at a picture and we were supposed to think, do we like this picture or not? And I was expressing my opinion and other people were expressing their opinion, and they were trying to tell me my opinion was wrong. And this whole time I was thinking, everybody has their own opinion, and it doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion is. It only matters what yours is. Well, because, and I tend to agree with you, I, I tend to place literature and art in the same realm, which is, it's not about right or wrong it's about your opinion of it how it makes you feel how you how you relate to it whether you relate to it if there's a connection to it how the artwork either makes you feel or makes you think different from mathematics or science which is definitive right answer two plus two is four period uh h2o is water period there are no alternative theories of it whereas a painting you can like it, you can dislike it. A book, you can like it, you can dislike it. So when a book is taught in that way, I think I appreciate it better than if a, bo a book is taught as this is how you must read it and this is what you must get out of it. And it seems to me that the way the Westing game was taught, it wasn't this is how you have to read it and this is what you have to get out of it. It was more along the lines of... Opinion. Like it was more about an opinion piece rather than a fact piece. And I think that's the benefit of literature. So, anything else you want to say about the Westing game? You think we've digested it enough? One more thing. In, in reading this book, I noticed that the 16 heirs, um, all of them, like I said earlier, not all of them live in the Westing house, and I don't think we've covered who all the characters are. We don't need to. Can I just name a few that I thought were beneficial to the story? Okay. In the beginning, one of the characters that um, I started to suspect, Sadell Pulaski, um, she was um, she used to work for a sausage company or Schultz Sausages, a company. I don't remember um, what she did. I think she was a secretary. But she says in the first chapter. Um, when Barney Northrup says, now is that breathtaking or is that breathtaking? She goes, not especially. So it makes, and um, when she says, um, uh, she, when it says um, she wanted, but she wanted a lake view and she didn't get a lake view, it made you think, well, if she wants something, if she wants more than she can have, maybe she can be a suspect. And eventually she was a suspect, but she wasn't a suspect, in a way. Yeah, I, I understand that. I I don't know. I, I just... I think these are all tricks that the author uses to deliberately mislead you, all the while keeping relatively 
important information from you so that you can actually solve the mystery yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's disappointing. So, anyways, that was the Westing game by Ellen Raskin, some sort of big award winner. I don't understand why, but anyways. Um, so, anyways, that is that for uh, Book Therapy. This is uh, Rob Cohen. and Brooklyn Cohen. And thank you for uh, uh, giving me the opportunity to discuss this book with you and read it. And uh, believe me, if you want to read any other better books, I got plenty of them. This <laughs> okay. one, this one doesn't rank. Um, so that's it. This is uh, Rob Cohen for Book Therapy. Find me on Twitter, Book Therapy Thirteen, or Book Therapy Thirteen at Gmail dot com, or Rob Cohen Thirteen is my Twitter. You can find me anywhere. Find me on Goodreads. And uh, that's it for Book Therapy. Thank you for letting Brooklyn and I lie on your couch. <laughs>